How do you know a Frenchman's been in your backyard? I am French, okay? Your garbage cans are empty and your dog's pregnant. <laughs> Didn't I just say I was French? I knock. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. <laughs> and the technology. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80. It's Spearsy back in Florida. And Brad from LA in New York, or was it Oklahoma? But really, I'm in New York. And today we're going to seek shelter from the sun's evil rays and honor three movies perfect to watch during a heat wave. Don't you just love the summer? This sucks. I am so unhappy. We should be at a real beach. There are no more real beaches. Yes, we should be at a real beach. Or maybe in the snow, or... Someplace with a little cool rain and a gentle breeze, or even just a bucket of free ice for my drink. You know, none of this is in the script. I, I'm sorry. I can't see the script anymore. My sweat short-circuited the laptop. I'm just kind of making this up as I go. Okay, I'll do it. Stuck in the 80s is a listener-supported show by Patreon. I don't know why I'm emphasizing Patreon. Like, it's some sort of superhero. Uh, <laughs> Captain Patreon. If Ultraman's light fails to blink, he may never rise again. That's all I remember from my childhood. (laughs) We're back. Come join our Zoom happy hours. Read exclusive content and more. There's no pauses in this script. When you join at patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast, maybe I'll create a stuck in the 80s ice bucket for you, Patreon, and I can send it to Brad, who is still in New York. And yet refuses to explain why? Oh, I'll tell you why. It's not really that exciting. Um, you know, my job, I'm a consultant. We've talked about that, which as we all know, is a fancy business term for whore. Uh, you know, we do what our clients tell us to, and then they pay us for it. Uh, and, you know, like all kind of consulting work, you go where the projects are. And I thought I was going to have a nice calm summer at home where it's hot. But instead, uh, at the last minute, we signed a contract with a new client in New York City. And, uh, you know, they just, they're new and we're new to them and we're trying to make a good impression. So we are uh, trying to give them what I would call a little bit more white glove service than we normally would. So I'm here on site for another, probably about another month. It's, it's probably better than rubber glove service. Moon River. Whew. Thank you, Doc. You ever serve time? Well, that's a little extra, if you know what I mean. So when you say you're a consultant, though, like for, for those who are somewhat fairly new to the show, you're a consultant in what industry? Oh, I work in the media and entertainment business. I work for a consulting company that's you know probably been around, well, it has been around for 30 plus years, and we focus on television and radio broadcasters. So the business has changed quite a bit since I've been in it. But uh, very good. What I do. Very good. Um, I, I, got, I got a panicked call from New York about an hour ago from future wife who was also very disturbed at the temperature and the general climate of the city right now. It's sweet. Jesus. It is hot. And look, you know, everyone makes jokes about, yeah, but it's a dry heat. It makes a big difference to this man. I got to tell you, I'm not used to that level of of drippage coming from anywhere. (laughs) Well, there's the, the thing that I've learned from visiting New York, so many times in the last two years is that it's it's not just the heat it's there's no there's no breeze and then all the garbage that's laying around which i'm sorry but it's always like tomorrow is garbage day because there's always 50 bags of garbage laying out on the sidewalk every time you walk outside between that and the dog waste and just the 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 general malaise of the city it I, I i mean yeah it all you're right it all stacks and there's just no, and even when you go inside a store, like there's a Walgreens right across from the uh, building where future wife lives and not a Dwayne Reed, as you might would think, 
Although, oh, didn't you say oh. that Dwayne Reed is owned by Walgreens or something? I believe that future wife, please put in the ding sound effect, pointed out to both of us. Okay, so there is a Dwayne Reed nearby, but there's a Walgreens right across the street. And I guarantee you. Why would you walk any further than you had to? There's no, there's no way on God's green earth that the air conditioning in Walgreens, that particular Walgreens, has worked for two days in a row since I've been in New York. <laughs> well, I mean, look. New York has an array, a bouquet, one might say, of aromas available to you on the coldest of days. When you layer in 95 plus heat and 95% humidity, it just, it amplifies and it moistens and it brings a whole new depth of flavor to the whole proceeding, I would say. Yes. So, so when I was there, I was there for two weeks and I just got home a few days ago. And um, it was it was nice. It was pleasant there. It was in the 70s when I went up to visit your swanky or went down, I guess I went down to visit your swanky apartment and it was a beautiful night. It was the temperatures were in the 60s or 70s. The alcohol was flowing, as you might have noticed in our last podcast. I I actually wore long pants, which I never do. Um, Did we drink too much in that last show? I mean, we got a lot of comments from people I, I don't feel like we drank too much. I feel like we drank just enough. I mean, here's the thing. The next morning I went to bed thinking, oh, tomorrow is going to be rough. And I woke up and I'm like, I feel pretty good. Yeah. 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 So you know I think the- we, I think we turned it off just in time. Yeah. Well, we, 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 we drank, I think I had two drinks before the show and then one drink during the show. And then when it was over, we called, we did a FaceTime with, Dave Augie August, and then we promptly hung up on him when our food arrived from Sarge's Deli. I barely remember that. We did drink too much. <laughs> I remember the sandwich. I mean, sorry, Dave, but the pastrami is freaking it scary me. how good it is. This is I feel I feel like we we've channeled the energy from last week, so we should proceed with the actual show. I feel like you're right. Is there a topic this week? I yeah. Forget. So here's what here's how this came about. So Brad's on the East Coast, I'm on the East Coast, and Earlier this morning, I think I sweated through a pair of jeans walking yeah. to work this morning. I, I had suggested, hey, let's do a 40th anniversary show on Dragon Slayer. And, I, and I'm like, you know what, Stuck in 80s Nation, you may thank me later. But I threw <laughs> myself on that grenade for you. And I started watching. I was watching it for like, I don't know, the first 30 or 40 minutes this morning. And then, you know, thank God for Brad. So Brad goes, why don't we just do a show about like, Movies you watch during a heat wave. Movies, yeah, '80s movies that you, you can enjoy during a heat wave. Right? So the so the idea is we're gonna we're gonna we we cold it down to three movies you can find on streaming services right now that have a theme of summer um, that you can watch without actually having to leave your house. You can order your alcohol via Drizzly. Did, have you done that by the way? That's a big New York thing. I've got it all queued up. I'm ready because Katie's coming out this week. And so I'm like, this is the Chardonnay she likes. I'll have that in the fridge. It's fantastic for me. And and honestly, okay, look, we we promise not to talk about New York this whole show, but good God, booze is expensive in this town. Oh my God. Yes. So, (laughs) you know, I'm sorry, little guy on the corner. I know you're scraping to make it, but maybe if you weren't charging me $40 for a 750 milliliter of tank array, I'd come back. Yeah. That's, that's pretty stiff. It's like 22 bucks here in, Orlando. If if that, you could probably get under 20 somewhere yeah. here. But so Drizzly though, drizzly.com. Yeah, no, no, no uh, sponsorship deal there yet. Although the way we were drinking, it might be soon. When I'm in New York, I that's how I order my booze because the liquor because the liquor stores in New York are also very small. They're small, and I get that. You know, the real estate's expensive here, so they yeah. don't have a lot of stock. Right. So if you want like um uh, 1.7 1.7 liter of uh, bullet bourbon. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, they don't have handles. That takes up too much shelf space. So you have to order that via Drizzly. So anyway, anyway, the point it's being fascinating. I know. The point being that you're home. You're listening to the podcast. You're second guessing yourself right now. You're wondering forever. <laughs> Just like puberty, it's going to get so, better. Cue up Drizzly. You got Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu. Maybe you have HBO, Cinemax. Uh, we have three movies that will get you through the current heat wave that we're suffering through. Ah, the first one then is Weekend at Bernie's. What kind of a host invites you to his house for the weekend and dies on you? I, why would he do this, huh? I mean, he had everything. 
house, cars, women. This is tragic. I don't understand why he couldn't wait until Monday to kill himself. Look, we, we, we have to call the police, huh? I mean, and how am I going to get back to the city? He promised me a ride. Knock it off, Larry. Who cares about a ride? We're talking death here. Everybody remembers this movie. Did you see this movie in the 80s? Or did you? was this more of a uh, cable thing for you, Brad? I think I probably did. I love this movie. It's just so dippy, but it's so fun. And, so, and somehow, like, you know, it's, it's Andrew McCarthy and Jonathan Silverman, right? Yeah. And, and I just, I feel like this is one of those things like My Blue Heaven where they first, they cast Steve Martin as the FBI agent. And then they're like, actually, no, you should be Vinny. Right. I feel like Andrew McCarthy was cast as the straight man and he then was... they, they flipped him over. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. But no, I feel no, like no. That's the case. You're absolutely right. That's exactly really? that. Oh, yep. Crushed it. Andrew McCarthy was, which was originally sought out to be the straight guy here. He read the script. He loved the goofy guy better. Yeah. So he makes the switch. Jonathan Silverman, who, by the way, plays a fantastic straight he's, guy. Oh, yeah. He's great in this. They're both really good in this. Yes. Uh, if you haven't seen it, well, then you're listening to the wrong podcast. But we'll cut you a break. They, they play young insurance corporation employees who discover that their boss, uh, Bernie, is embezzling. But by the time they can finally put all the pieces together, he's dead. Right. And, and they realize that the only way that they will stay alive is if people think he is still alive. Right. It's fantastic. Um, it was released Fourth of July weekend back in 1989. So I, I, I want so we would, I I would have seen it that weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it. I would have, we would have seen this after college. Wow. I mean, I was out of school at that point because I, I graduated in mid June and, you know, I had like $3 to my name. So I probably yeah. could have gotten into a movie. It's it, like our lives, it's set in New York City right now. Yeah. Um, around Memorial Day weekend. When a heat wave has stricken the city, hmm. sound familiar? Yes. Um, although most of it was actually filmed, I mean, the New York stuff was obviously filmed in New York, but the the whole vacation house on the beach was filmed in North Carolina. Just FYI. Oh man, I was going to drive out there this weekend. <laughs> well, you had to. You can't drive out to. You would have to take a boat. Anyway, a hundred dollars if you can name the actor who played Bernie. Um, it was. Lars Jesterson. I have no <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, Terry Kaiser. Oh, of course. Terry Kaiser. That guy owes me money. Uh, okay. $200, double or nothing. If you can name another movie in the 80s that he was in. He did 10. I'm not, I'm not Googling. I really want to because I want the $200, but I'm not Googling. Um, 10 movies. He was in Terry Does Toronto. No, that, he might have been in that movie, but uh, Kaiser does Cleveland. <laughs> uh, of the ten movies he did, the one that I remember is Six Pack with uh, Kenny oh, Rogers. Oh yes, yes. And what's weird is like think okay now think, if you've seen the movie, cast your mind back. Mm-hmm. He plays the villainous driver Turk Logan, who looks nothing like Bernie Lomax. Right. Nothing. Nothing. If, if you have to pick another movie that you probably remember him from, it's 1990s Side Out. Do you remember that movie? You probably it's saw a volleyball movie. movie. Yeah, you saw it because your like, son was a volleyball player. The only volleyball movie ever made. <laughs> okay, so one, one more fun thing. Catherine Mary Stewart plays the love interest of Jonathan Silverman. Can you name another couple of great movies she starred in in the 80s? Well, she's in Last Starfight. That's right! Yes. Fact check true. Um, and gosh, she just has such a familiar face. You're like, you know, you've seen her in a ton of stuff. And I'm sorry, uh, 80s Nation. I did not do my homework on that. And I could not tell you what else she's in. She, she's in a bunch. But the one that I was looking for was Night of the Comet. Oh, crap. Of course she is. Yeah. Oh, that's a fun movie. Yeah. You can watch that if you want this weekend. No, no, no shade will be thrown on you. Uh, by the way, speaking of Andrew McCarthy, which we don't do on this podcast because he won't appear on it. Yeah. some people make choices apparently apparently in his new book that he he's written that everyone's just so gaga about which i'm sure i'm sure is fantastic and i'll read it someday once i get over the hurt feelings i hear good things but yes i'm right there with you Simpatico, Acor- my brother. according to the book he said that he actually directed one scene from weekend at bernie's really 
which was the scene when Jonathan Father's Jonathan Silverman's father shows up and ruins his date with uh, Catherine Mary Stewart. Uh, the, that is the guy, early the cringe guy, humor. The, the 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 guy who plays his dad was the movie's director. Oh, so someone else had like, hey Andrew, sit in that yeah. seat. Tell me what to do. Go. <laughs> For what it's worth, by the I'm way, I'm gonna strip down to my boxers, <laughs> which he did. Like, I'm sure the whole set was like, holy crap! I did not need to see that. That that is actually a memorable scene. Uh, for what it's worth, Roger Ebert, who we hold we in high worship. regard, yes, we worship. I do at least. Do you, or is it more I, of a I, me thing? For the most part, I respect his opinions. But tell us what he thought about. I mean, I mean, he was like at his he was at his peak in the eighties. So it's like you have to, you at least need to hear what he has to say. He gave Weekend at Bernie's one star. Ooh. Writing, he wrote. Weekend at Bernie's makes two mistakes. It gives us a joke that isn't very funny and expects the joke to carry an entire movie. Look, it's not Casablanca, okay? You're at heart a sentimentalist. Oh, laugh if you will, but I happen to be familiar with the record. It's like, it's an entire movie of dumb physical humor. And if that seems problematic to you, then, you know, watch Casablanca. Well, he also makes the which point, which is also very good. It's just not from our decade. Yeah, I the thing he makes another point about how hard it is to make a movie about a dead person work because there's there's just so many obstacles in your way. There's so many hurdles to making a movie about a dead guy work. And I, I, I yeah. that's a great theory. Yeah, I mean Terry Kaiser was like physically pummeled making this movie. You know, well, his his did he break a rib at some point? His stunt double did. <clears throat> oh, even worse. When they were dragging him behind the boat and hitting all the uh, man overboard, Clong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever laughed as hard in my life until that moment. I, I, th- I thought I was going to piss myself. Okay, now there's a there's a subject, not the pissing yourself part, but the moments in movies that make you laugh every time you see it. Yeah, that's, that's the only one I can really. The one that's really famous in my family is when we watch Elf, which is not an '80s movie, but the scene where Buddy gets hit by the cab. I lose my shit every time. I laugh really? so hard, and now it's to this point where like everyone in the room is watching me, and I'm like, "What if I don't laugh this time? Am I going to ruin the movie for everybody?" <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't happened yet. I laugh my ass off every time that happens. I, I like the "Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad." Find your dad. <laughs> <laughs> or the or when he bursts into the cafe. Congratulations, you, you did, did it. it. Okay, as promised, we have three movies. <laughs> and that was one of them in which we talked about like three others cast your mind back to southern california in the mid 80s for summer school francis grimp oh don't recall me that the name is chainsaw i was in black and decker as in texas massacre summer school was released in uh, late july I, actually what's really cool is that all three movies that we're talking about today were actually summer movies were released in the summer see how hard we work to make the synergies work for you people <laughs> We are on it. Bye, Brad. Hope you find your happy hour. <laughs> hey, Steve. Hope <laughs> you edit the podcast. That's true. I got to edit this week. That'll be fun. Anyway, uh, July 1987. So July 1987, we would have been sophomores? Yeah. Coming into our, yeah, that would have been rising juniors, rising college juniors. Yes. Kind of at the height of our powers, right? Pretty much, yeah. You know, you're still pretty sure you know everything. You don't really have to worry about having a grown-up job. Yeah, your, your job is going to school, as your parents will point out. Get some better grades, damn it. Uh, yeah, things are pretty good. Maybe you got a girlfriend. Maybe you got a boyfriend. Maybe you have a friend. I'm trying to think where I lived. Summer of '87. Summer of '87. That would have been. I think I was at home that summer because my parents had not yet moved back to Oklahoma to get away from. <laughs> well, I, that was coming. I I only went home one summer during college. Now it was after my freshman year. The rest of them I stayed up in. Well, yeah, because you had to live in the garage in the sweat box, right? Yeah. Well, that and just you know being under and the you rules. Didn't have a doorbell. <laughs> I if you had the doorbell, you would have stayed. I could draw. I could draw you right now from memory a sketch of that house I grew up in, including the garage. Where my room was, where the washer and dryer were, the, the pathway back to the doorbell and the, the door and everything. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, oh my gosh, I want to go there right now. I think we had, machine. we had one of those, um, oh, what's it called? The reverse fan that's in the attic. 
Oh yeah, a whole house fan or an attic fan? Well, you've, there's there's two. There's an attic fan that pulls air just out of the attic. And there's a whole house fan that pulls air out of the house and pushes it. Into the That's what we had, and it was it was we it was They're like in, a helicopter. It was yes, and it was in my room, and what was really oh, fun to do like pull all the stuff off your desk. So yeah, the fun thing to do: shut the door to the room, open my window. I had a window in this in this um garage bedroom and then turn on that fan and it was like a jet engine going through my room (laughs) you're like indoor skydiving yes i invented it (laughs) It it's fantastic we also had a bumper pool table i remember that did you ever have a bumper pool table uh i had friends that had one yeah i did not i was pretty good at it i i don't doubt that for a moment sadly there was no professional career to be made from it yeah anyway there's so there was a movie we were talking about. It was, oh, summer school. That's right. right. I don't remember. It's about school in the summer, if I remember. Correctly. I know, which, but I, can, I can't remember what I did that summer. I, anyway, it doesn't matter. I was like you, like you. I was at the height of my powers in college, and you know, far enough away from home and far enough away from professional life that you just were, you're in that sweet spot. Yeah, you're playing tennis every day. You're you know playing frisbee on the quad like college kids do. Yep. Or so we're told. Yeah. Tennis, I think that's what it was. Anyway, I think I was still living in the fraternity house. Anyway, um, and I used to bike five miles a day and play tennis every day, and I had a great tan. And I used sun in in my hair to make it more blonde. Oh my well, gosh! Oh, I need pictures of that. Dude. Somewhere I have it. Eighties Nation demands photos. <laughs> okay, so here's the point: Mark Harmon stars as a high school t- gym teacher who's forced to teach remedial English during the summer um, because Carl Reiner plays the teacher who uh, <laughs> wins the lottery and quits his job immediately. Like, I'm out. Carl Ryan also directed it. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Um, Mark Harmon as Mr. Shoop is uh, uninspired at first, but wises up after trying to win over another summer school teacher played by Kirstie Alley. It might be the last time Harmon ever played a comedy role. And it might be the last. Yeah. yeah, It might be the last time Kirstie Alley was ever funny intentionally. Oh, intentionally. Okay. Sure. So, but I I think most of us remember this movie best for like the oddballs in his class, including like Dave and uh, chainsaw. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the line that I quote from this movie all the time is, you know, when the, the kid he runs into who's like moonlighting as a stripper and that's why he's sleeping all the time in class. He's like, I'm at 18. It's all downhill from here. And Mark Harmon's character looks at him and says, yeah, but it's a lovely ride. <laughs> not so sure he was right. Well, it's a good line to give to an 18-year-old. What do they know? Yeah. Uh, Probably a lot of Ongo Boingo fans appreciate the movie because Danny Elfman supervised the, the score and the soundtrack. So you get Ongo Boingo singing the song Happy. You mm. have uh, E.G. Daly singing Mind Over Matter. That kind of makes it the ultimate 80s movie. If you've got E.G. Daly on the soundtrack, then we all need to sit up and pay attention. Yeah, exactly. Um, actually, Blondie, uh, Deb, Debbie Harry of Blondie recorded the song originally, but E.G. replaced her on the soundtrack because of really? some legal issues. Mm, lawyers. Uh, Dean Cameron, the actor, the actor, <laughs> probably this was the movie that gave him his career, which he, which he used so wisely to make ski school and ski school two. Well, you know, ski school two wasn't going to make itself. Yeah. You know, to be honest, I mean, he was in the, he's in the, um, the fast times TV show. He was, he, he, he has, he's had a fine career. I mean, the guy is a working mainly more in TV than in film. I you know I wish I was as much of a failure as Dean Cameron is. <laughs> That's called failing up, right? Yeah. Um, by the way, again, if you think that Roger Ebert hated Weekend at Bernie's, oh no, Roger. Consider this: he only gave summer school a half of a star. Roger, you you need to sneak the booze into the theater for these movies. When was the last time you snuck booze in? Do you remember any movies that you snuck booze into? No, because when we wanted to drink at the movies, we would just take it with us to the drive-in. Oh, I got really Plus hammered. I worked, I worked there most of my movie-going <laughs> life. So, like, if I needed to bring it in, I'm like, hey, I, you know, I'm going to go see a movie. Like, yeah, fine, whatever. Yeah, I guess it's unethical, I guess, to some degree. Yeah. I, I snuck in a whole bottle of wild turkey to watch The Doors without Kilmer. And when it was done, when we finished the bottle, which we did, we rolled it down the floor of the movie theater 
It's like you being can... at the it's like being at the Hollywood Bowl and hearing the wine bottles roll down in the summer. <laughs> anyway, I I was obliterated that movie. I remember. Um, I feel like there's someone that wrote in about getting hammered. Like there's a story in one of our listeners' past that they wrote in about getting hammered. I mean, it's probably a fairly common experience. I don't know. I mean, I don't think I've I've done it more than twice. I did it for that. But I did it for. I've done it. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I did it for. But I mean, you got you have to expect that for that. That yeah, really. Um, anyway, extra extra mop on on hand for a movie like that. When, when last week consulted the notes, Roger Ebert was talking, and he said, "Quote: Summer School is a comedy so listless, leisurely, and unspirited that it was an act of will for me to care about it, even while I was watching it." You know, Roger. Why you gotta be so harsh? Why you gotta be so harsh, man? <laughs> because it's fun. Harsh is funny. I disagree with him. I don't think it's listless. I'll give it leisurely. It's leisurely. Um, unspirited, maybe, maybe uh, we could say derivative. It wasn't intended for Roger Ebert. Yes, that's exactly right. This is not a movie for the critics. It's a movie for the college kids who are living their life. Uh, trivia time, Brad. Uh, maybe we'll use this next cruise. What was the name of Mr. Shoop's dog? It was Wonder Mutt. Yes. But I do not remember what the t- the toy's name was that got washed out to sea and then washed up at the end. Oh, crap. Write in if you know it, and uh, we'll put you... Anyone who has the right answer, we will, which we'll find out. We will uh, we'll enter you into a drawing. <laughs> we'll enter you into a drawing <laughs> for, a, for a postal friendly bottle of banana. Okay, we've got one movie left, and Brad's going to represent it. Okay, here we go. Here we go. You ready for this? Yes. This is Stand By Me. I'm never going to get out of this town now, my Gory. You can do anything you want, man. Yeah. Sure. Give me some skin. I'll see you. Not if I see you first. Chris did get out. He enrolled in the college courses with me, and although it was hard, he gutted it out like he always did. He went on to college and eventually became a lawyer. Last week, he entered a fast food restaurant. Just ahead of him, two men got into an argument. One of them pulled a knife. Chris, who had always made the best piece, tried to break it up. He was stabbed in the throat. He died almost instantly. Now, look... We're trying to find stuff you can watch now. And by the time we post this, this may not still be on Netflix, but you can still rent it on Amazon Prime. And I think it's, you know, it's worth a look. I I watched it twice today. And you hate this movie, Steve. I'm (sighs) sorry. Let me just, let me restate that. You have been on the record in the past as disliking this movie because you don't like 80s movies set in other decades. And I don't like movies in general that are named after song titles. Is it named after a song? Oh, it is. It is because uh-huh. it's based on a short story, but the short story isn't called Stand By. Right. What's the short story? The short story is called The Body by Stephen King, and it comes from a collection of short stories called Different Seasons. And it was Different Seasons that gave us uh, Shawshank Redemption, Apt Pupil. Uh, it, it's a rich, rich collection of stories. And I've not read it. I don't, I don't read Stephen King. Do you read Stephen yeah. King? You know, the only Stephen King I've read is the Dark Tower series, which I really enjoyed. But I, we've talked about this. I don't like horror movies. I don't <laughs> read horror books. Like I, My imagination is already running about a billion miles an hour anytime I hear a strange noise, and I don't need any help in that department. So, But the Dark Tower series was, it was great. It was fantastic. I very much enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, so anyway, so check that out if you like books and you don't want to watch these horrible movies we're talking about this weekend. Um, but let's talk about Stand By Me for a second. So it was released in late summer 1986, and it stars, you got some power, powerhouse young actors here. It's got Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, rest in peace, Corey Feldman, and Jerry O'Connell as preteens in the Oregon who embark on a mission over Labor Day weekend right before school starts in the fall to find a dead body. Mm. Yeah, 
Because that's what kids, because, you know, when you're, how old are they? Like 15, 12, 14, going on 13. 12, so they're 12. They think that's a good idea. Like why on if I'm a, like at this point, I'm not going looking for a dead body. I'm going to find one in my own bed here. Pretty soon. It's going to be me. Holy shit. You, this went dark. Like, why am I in a rush to locate that noise? I got yeah. enough problems without confronting my own mortality. Just ask my friend miles. Can, can I ask you a quick question before you explain the movie any further? Yeah. Have, have how many dead bodies have you seen? How many? So you're basically what you're asking me is how many open casket funerals? Have I seen? No, 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 no. Like, have you like in an unnatural setting in the, in, in the wild, a uh, human dead human body, not in a hospital or at a memorial service? Yeah, I don't think any. I've seen two. Okay, one in the '80s, even. Oh, well, that's I, the fraternity story. Yeah, the, I, there was a guy who was stabbed outside my fraternity house. That man was Steve Spears. This whole thing is just a construct of his imagination. He's in a coma. We don't exist. It's a simulation. Tech support. Tech support. No, yeah. So there was the guy who was stabbed to death, stabbed and then died in front of us on a chair that we never used again. Yeah. And um, and then we all still spent the night there because you know life is somewhere. Yeah. And uh, well, it just didn't occur to me that like, maybe we should go somewhere else. Like, well, I mean, that's where Where'd my bed was. Yeah. And uh, then a guy died on a s- scuba trip in the about 20 years ago. Really? In Mexico, off of um, Cancun. We went on this trip, okay. and yeah. an older gentleman had a heart attack underwater and died. Oh, geez. They brought him on board. Like, we didn't know what was going on. We were still diving. Like, here's diving. And I'm like, what's going on up there? Yeah, and they're giving us this signal, like, come on up, come on up. And we're like, okay, you know, maybe there's some yeah. problem. We get up there, and he's just, he dies right in front of us on the this little tiny oh my Lord. scuba board. And then, That's... so we, oh. we, we, we come into port, and then all the, all the Mexican police are waiting for us. Yeah. And I think we were there for, like, I don't know, seemed like That's half crazy. a day. Yeah. Two. You're probably, you're still there. Um, it's probably still a worn out. For, I don't think I've been. When have I been back to Mexico since then? Yeah, I have been, but um, just Cozumel. But uh, now wow, he died. He, died. he had a crazy. heart attack underwater. It was, you know, scuba is not for. You got to be in a certain degree of health to do it, which is why sure. one reason why I don't do it anymore. But <laughs> plus, it was a challenging dive. It was a drift dive. I don't know if you know what a drift dive is. No, I don't know anything about it. Drift dive is when you're you're diving and there's a there's a current in the water. And okay. what the best thing to do is just to hold still and then a current like moves you along the reef. So you don't have to like expend any energy. But if you decide to fight the current, well, then that's a You're losing battle. Fast. Yeah, you yeah. get tired fast and you have a heart attack and die underwater. So, Oof. wow, what a way to go. I anyway, mean, so uh, on a more cheerful note, uh, we should talk about how Stephen King, who wrote the short story this is based on, felt about this. Um, after Rob Reiner screened the movie for him, he noticed that King was shaking. He was not speaking at all. Mm. He just like got up and left the room. And when he came back, he told Rob Reiner the movie was the best adaptation of his work he'd ever seen. Wow. Yeah. High praise. High praise. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like he hasn't had more than a few adaptations. I do. I will say I don't like horror movies, but I do really like the movie Christine. There's something about the sinister car that just is so oh yeah that's a good one um interesting note about stand by me it's only a hundred it's it's a minute it's an hour and 28 minutes is it really it feels longer than no it's it's super fast i mean that's hero's journey is very quick well i think that's what is so great about it in retrospect is that they didn't feel the need to like put a bunch of stuff in there that didn't belong to, to like, Oh, this needs to be two hours. No, it doesn't need to be two hours. Yeah. There's just enough of them fooling around and telling stories around the fire. Yeah. Wow. So here's, here's a weird thing. So like I'm watching this movie today while I'm working and I'm texting Brad, which I'm sure is annoying to all. (laughs) I like a little distraction in my day, but I couldn't understand. There's a scene where Will Wheaton is, sitting there in the morning and a deer comes up, not comes up to him, but comes, comes near him. The clearing. Yeah. Looks at him and then moves on. And I, I didn't understand it because I and, keep oh, in mind, I hadn't seen this movie in a long time. So, so I, I text Brad. I'm like, God, what the, what's with the effing deer? It's like what the f- is with the deer, man? Why don't, we, why don't we just make venison jerky? Get on with it. I didn't say oh my that. Gosh, you are a, your soul is dead. 
No. Like the, 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 the deer is... Okay, so Will Wheaton's character has lost John Cusack, which is heartbreaking for yes. any of us to lose John Cusack, his big brother. Right. Movie. And his, you know, things are weird at home and his friends have problems and he's got problems. And this deer comes into the scene and he sees it and it's this, to me, it is this realization that life will continue and that not all of life is going to be horrible and scary. That's the way I see that. Like it's a moment of grace, if you will, in that moment. And he didn't share it with anybody, right? Because he was like, somehow he felt like that was something for him. And he, he says in the, 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 the narrator says, I didn't tell my friends and I've never written about it until now. So he makes a very big deal about it. Yeah. So I think that that is how he took that moment. And, uh, you know, perception is reality. I, that's, that's kind of where I think what that was supposed to mean. If okay. You will. If, in as much as anything's supposed to mean anything, this podcast is supposed to mean you have trouble making good choices about what to listen to. <laughs> I, I'm just curious. I, I would love to hear other people's opinions on the deer scene. Like, yeah, yeah. Is, write us, is, write us, and tell us where we missed that one or where I missed it because Steve doesn't have an opinion. He just thinks it's an animal to walk through. While no, I mean, I want. <laughs> no, no, no. This is where you get me all wrong. Like, I want to understand things better, and I know that that was a pivotal scene, but I just my mind couldn't wrap itself around what the yeah. meaning was it's a, it's a beat in the movie that's a little out of sync with the rest of the story and i think that's why you kind of have to look a little bit maybe we should get rob reiner on the show get them to talk about it. oh god how cool would that be oh my gosh that'd be amazing you know we could ask yeah but it would be interesting to see what his like what he was trying to say because i i feel like and without reading a short story maybe there's more in the, the story itself it's like i said it's kind of a little it's a little interlude right? yeah and why do you do it? Why do you, if you, if you're making a, a, a movie that's an hour and 22 minutes, you don't have a lot of time to waste. 28 minutes. Every, everything's in there for a reason. <laughs> and the deer is in there because they promised its agent that deer would get 30 seconds on. Screen. Yeah, it did. It, it was a beautiful deer. Um, <laughs> speaking of Rob Reiner, I have read that he considers uh, Stand By Me to be the best film he's ever made. Is he right though? I mean, here, okay, let's just consider oh, some. Wow, hmm. Spinal Tap, the Sure Thing. Okay, it's 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 better than the Sure Thing. Better than the Sure Thing. It's a better motion picture experience. Yeah, than the sure thing. Princess Bride. Mm, when Harry, they're different. When Harry met Sally. There, you you know what? You're you're right. They are all there. Wow. There's there's nothing there that's that's even similar. No, no, because it's coming of age. Just, oh, wow. wow. Rob Reiner, man, we don't deserve you. <laughs> That's true. We don't deserve you. The thing that, okay, so here's the thing that I always think about when we talk about Stand By Me is the writer, who's the, it's the framing device, right? Yes, of course. And, and it's, it's Richard Dreyfus. And yeah. Rob Reiner had a lot of trouble casting this role. Yes. They had David Dukes in there, and they had Michael McKean and other people. And then finally, he called his high school friend, Richard Dreyfus, to do it. And I think actually Dreyfus is great in it. And the kids are like, what's your dad doing? Are we going to go swimming? What's it? Like, that's just so freaking spot on. It's, it's yeah. perfect. Yeah. But what does Richard Dreyfus, AKA the writer do at the end? Oh, I knew you were going to bring this up. <laughs> he just turns the computer off. Look, kids, we don't have solid state drives back. We don't have like, oh, you, did you mean to turn off your computer? We can recover this copy for you. He spent the whole time writing his little tickety tackety, you know, his mechanical keyboard, with the green phosphor screen. And he just flips it off. You know what, though? Save the file. You know what? I'm just now, this is just now coming to me. Maybe he didn't want to save it. Going through the exercise was enough. Spears, you just blew my mind. Oh my God. I got chills. You just blew my mind. I had never considered that. And that is entirely possible. That would be entirely possible. Oh, oh. okay. I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No. Oh gosh. I love that. I love that. That's my new interpretation. I am claiming it, claiming it as the Steve Spears gambit. Wow. 
You know what other gambit I'd like to try right about now? <laughs> the the seggies. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, uh, by the sound of the gong. Blissful sleep. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Cannot come Holy. soon enough. Oh God, that that last minute revelation there kind of. I'm sp- shook. I'm in shookinated. I'm kind of. It's going to screw with me for a while. Anyway, time for a mystery movie moment. Whew. We will. Uh, oh God, I feel like I need to stretch. Like I feel like I need to get up and like. No, nope. you gotta you gotta see this one through, bro. Do some planks. I don't even know what planks are. But you're gonna do some. <laughs> we will play a snippet of a movie from the 80s if you get it right you're entered into the drawing for the postal friendly bottle opener it's amazing how much whiskey opens up the whole like not not the whole layer i feel like i feel really like i could talk for hours now which feels good like he knew that he would now yeah from show six dump six oh three. That doesn't sound right, but I'm sure it is. Here was the uh, mystery clip. Who's buying the booze? You That's Brewster's Millions. By the way, do you know that Brewster's Millions has been like remade like three times? Yeah. Yeah, because the that version is a remake. Yeah, of a remake of a remake. Yeah. Which is very popular. It's a fun story. Okay, so we had some winners, not as many as I would have thought, and um, they had some fun with you. So go ahead and read some winners. Here we go. This week's winners include Cliff in Essex, England, Jesse Elgato Grande Smith, Commodore 64 Will, Wendy in Charleston, South Carolina, son of Hugo, Andrew Palm, Storm Surge, James in Indy, DJ Elliott, Josh in Atlanta, Gene in Hollister, not the store of the town. Thanks, Brad. Todd in Minnesota, Darren in Ukaipa, Colin, give me my postal friendly bottle opener. Hall, Lance, mm, Chadwick, Lee in the UK, and Cal and Deb in Atlanta, who write, for Steve, I thought I'd share my sappy love story since he is so romantic these days. Oh my gosh. Look, as an aside, let me just say, I had dinner with Steve and the future wife two weeks ago now, I think. Uh, two weeks, yeah. Yeah, they're very sweet. It's it's very it's it fun to have dinner with them and spend the evening with them. And I was a jerk and didn't ask them like how their wedding was going and any of that stuff. <laughs> that was but fine. It was, we had a really nice evening. Um, anyway, Cal and Deb continue. I wonder if they wrote this together. I don't know. Like maybe they. Took I think this is more Cal. That's more Cal, Cal okay. than Deb. So Cal Cal writes. I met my first wife in high school in 1985, our sophomore year. We never dated in high school, but worked together on the school paper for several years. Home from college for spring break my freshman year. We went out a few times. To make a long story short, we dated and eventually married in 1989. Probably too young, but it did last 12 years, and we split after finding we wanted different things in life. We both remarried, and she moved around to other parts of the country, but we remained friendly and kept in touch over the years. Neither of those relationships worked out, and this year, 20 years after our divorce, we found ourselves single again and started talking. Much to our surprise, the things that split us up were no longer a factor, and we found that we still had a great deal in common and a unique shared history. We found ourselves laughing and remembering things from our past, food, music, movies, and events that only we share. This past weekend, we remarried. Wow. Not quite 32 years after our first wedding. Wow. That's fantastic. It was amazing to see our families together, most of whom hadn't seen each other in decades and who are spread across the country. We couldn't be happier and are having a blast meeting and making new memories with all of the old and new family members and friends. And yes, we're both hopelessly stuck in the 80s with you guys. Thanks for all that you do. We love the podcast and hope to make it to the 80s cruise one day. Cal and Deb in Atlanta. Wow. You know, that's amazing, Cal. I'm so happy for both of you. He, uh, Cal sent before uh, then and now photos to me. Okay. In the email, but they, they came across broken images, so I couldn't see him. So I, I sent him a note back earlier today saying, please resend these photos. I got to see them. I got to see them. Must see. So that's that's fantastic. Oh, that's such a great story. Um, so, wow. Geez. Crazy, huh? You're just like, you're just like Phil Collins. <laughs> I Hopefully am. They are. Because the, didn't he <laughs> like leave his wife and then got back with his wife now? What you need to watch out for, Cal, is when Deb moves into your house in Miami and changes the locks. Yeah. God. Let that happen. Poor Phil Collins. 
Three words I never thought I'd say, but there we go. Um, anyway, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery movie clip. I'll be the same. <laughs> I'll be the same. You're a funny guy. It's funny. <laughs> you, that's funny with the I'll be the same thing. <laughs> what a psychotic. If you know it, or even if you have a great story to tell, because <laughs> right now I love the great stories. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to top uh, Cal and Deb, though. But email us at this is where I tripped up on the last show. Um, 605, was it? Yeah, email us at email us at podcast at sit80s.com and tune in, in a few weeks to find out if you're a winner. <laughs> Ah, the mystical refrain that is named that 80s tune. This podcast is coming in for a smooth landing, I guarantee you. This is the signature Seggy that's stuck in the 80s. Yeah. The OG of Seggies, and Steve is going to tell you why. I don't I don't know why. Once upon a time, we had this dream that we should talk about stuff other than the topic of the show. And we said, what if we made a contest? Groundbreaking. Groundbreaking. <laughs> what if we did like something that solicited reader feedback? Would that be a good idea? Turns out it was. 16 years ago. Holy crap. If you can you hear the clinking of my ice, my ice is almost completely melted. I'm going to put yeah. down my drink. Mine's it's, all gone. I, like, I got a dead drink here. Dead, <laughs> dead stick. Anyway, pay attention. Here was the mystery clip from show 603. That's Paul Hardcastle with 19. In World War II, the average age of the combat soldier was 26. In Vietnam, he was 19. In, 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 in Vietnam, he was 19. In, 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 in Vietnam, he was 19. I, I don't know why I chose this, but... Good pick. I did. I did. I, you know. I, did, I did want to thank you earlier when I was pulling the name of the 5,000 people who got it right. <laughs> you just get to say them. I had to like cut and paste their names. It took me like 45 minutes. Dude, do you have two screens on your... On your computer? I don't, I don't know how I do anything. You put the like, notes on one screen and the email on the other screen. And you search for the winning title. That's what just... I did. This is your turn, Brad. I'm going to go take a short nap while you read some <sighs> names. This week's winners include Cal and Deb in Atlanta, Tim from Nashville, Chris Deepcut Sampson, Kyle Kay in Arkansas, Terry in Perth, Cliff in England, son of Hugo, Chuck Whaley, Phil from Adelaide, Marlon from Fort Worth. Well, not really Fort Worth or Burleson, but technically not Burleson either, but more exactly the Rendon area, which is not a town, just an area named after a sheep herder. Martin the Irish Evertonian, Bob in Tamworth, UK. Steve says this is a large market town about 14 miles northeast of Birmingham. Charles from Yorktown. Jeremy in St. Pete, who sent us a photo of his stuck in the 80s coffee mug on his home office desk. Mailman Jeff in Saint- <laughs> Mailman Jeff in Jacksonville. Tamar Deaver, Noel in Ireland. Cliff from somewhere north of Detroit. Donnie Gettle rhymes with cough drop. Nick in Atlanta. What? Nick in Alabama. <laughs> D&B Jaeger. Paul Ryan in Montreal, Strubes from Rutherford, Lee in the UK, Jeff Penne Pasta, Caroline with a K in Calgary, Kevin Pipe Wench, Richard the Big Bunny, Plain Pulling Tom, there's a comma and no other name, and Plain Pulling Tom. Yep, sorry about that. That's a, It's a fun list of names. I really like the people who really explain where they live. <laughs> and I like that... Uh, Donnie Gettle has stopped saying rhymes with metal so I could just insert whatever I want to there. He, he knows we know. When you know, you know. And it's nice to have Nick in Alabama so that we know we actually have a listener in Alabama now because I don't I think that's a first. Well, you know, I bet I bet there's some people at the space at the NASA facility there that listen to yeah. us. Uh, surprising number of people, people surprising number of people from the UK. That's that's good to hear. So anyway. Uh, let's spin the wheel. Let's find out who's gonna take home a po- by the way, you know, I, I I feel like I feel so connected with um uh, Cal and Deb in Atlanta. You guys send us your address. We're going to send you some fun swag because that's a great story. And um, I, I just, I want to send you something in returns like a, like a wedding present, a belated wedding present. So send Steve us your, Steve says that. And I'm like, I want to see a wedding certificate. Anybody could write a story. <laughs> uh, well, if you write a story that good, I'll send you a wedding present anyway, but uh, I, I love that that's, story. It's that's, fantastic. That's it but anyway, story. Brad is, he's all oiled up. I am. I'm all I, sweaty. Don't ask how I know that. And um, you're going to spin the wheel. Being here in New York. Here we go. You ready? Yep. (laughs) 
Anyway, it looks like it's going to land on Charles from Yorktown. You are this week's magical winner. I don't, you're not really magical, but you're, uh, send us your postal address. So Charles, in the interest of full disclosure, while I'm in New York, ain't no swag getting mailed out because all that stuff is at home. But oh, when I get point. home, when I get home, it's all going out in a big flurry. So you will get it before school starts. Barely. Well, and really at your age, you really shouldn't be going to school anymore. I know, um, right? Pay attention. Or throwing here's this, anyone. <laughs> here's this week's mystical. Here's this week's mystical clip. It's mystery. <laughs> Is it mystical or mystery? Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, email us at podcast at My God, if I don't have another drink soon, I'm going to die. Well, we better wrap this baby up. Bring this thing in for a landing. And we'll be right back after this commercial break. Want something tasty and delicious? Taco Bell, Taco Bell. The one and only original taste of Taco Bell's beefy tostada. They use fresh ground beef, never frozen, cooked in their own famous sauce, real cheddar cheese, and it's made up fresh. Come taste the one and only taste. Taco Taco Bell can't find it any other place. Taco Taco Bell, come taste the one and only original. Taco Taco Bell. And we're back. We have just a couple seconds left. Actually, we 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 could talk for another two hours, but you won't listen. Technically, uh, yeah, my, I think my, oh, let me look at the disk space remaining. I could record for another 1,205 hours and five minutes. Interesting. Uh, just want to say a special thank you to um, our new patron on Patreon, uh, Jim Salber. Am I saying that right? Like, I expect Jim to, like, raise his hand and tell me. Um, he'll email me, though. Thank yeah. you for joining. Uh, we look forward to seeing you on future hap- happy hours, Zoom happy hours. Um, yeah, thank you. Dave Augie August has promised that he will be completely wasted for the next one. So that'll, that'll be fun. I'll so he and Chase, it. he and Chase can kind of carry that co-host torch. so I can mute people, please. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> um, I hope you enjoyed our, our take on the heat wave movies of the eighties. Obviously it was very scientific. So we'll take your criticism very harshly. It's really something to get you through a heat wave. It's not yeah. so much something that represents a heat wave, except the um, heat of our love for these movies. We'll be back soon with more shows. But in the meantime, Brad and I remain here. One drizzly delivery away. (laughs) Hopelessly (laughs) stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music, and thanks for listening. Oh.